we're back. I am bringing a topic to the table today that I have, I don't have an answer on, but I have been mulling it in my head for a while. And I don't even know if there is an answer, but the question is, (laughs) do you pursue a big life or a little life? And I think you could also say a simple life instead of a little Mm -hmm. life. But I feel like I'm at a bit of a crossroads in my life right now in the sense that I live in a big city that will support a young child, but would not support multiple children into, let's say five, like, you know, pre-K, K. And I say that due to just financial constraints. Like I know that I won't have the financial means to put two kids through school in New York City. So the idea is at what point do I start to look outside of New York City? And this has spurred on a lot of anxiety in me because I have pursued New York City in the idea of a big life. It would give me a big life. I hadn't even seen Mad Men at the time. So I don't know where I was getting this idea that like the bigness happened in New York if it was just like the size of the buildings. But I just, since I was a child, I always dreamt of having plane outfits. Like I always dreamt of movement. I dreamt of travel. I dreamt of like experiences. I honestly like never dreamt of having a family, being a mother, having a garden. Like it was more like executive boardroom attire, what to wear. (laughs) (laughs) And I will say that was my definition of like a big life was this idea of like a independent career woman in a big city that was very cultured, very well traveled. And just that, that is what I pursued. And I'm still pursuing it. I won't say that I'm there yet, but I do live in a big city, had supported myself in a big city um, and continue to do so. But now I am with a partner who I love and we want to have a family and we don't have the financial means to do it in the way that we want in New York. Like we could survive in New York, but we wouldn't thrive in New York with our family. And so he uses, has been using this phrase like, well, I'm very happy with a simple life. And I am at first, I'm like, uh uh-huh. Yeah, totally, totally. Simple, simple, simple. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. On board, on board. So love simple. And And then the interior of me, like kind of flares up a bit with this idea of a simple life. And it really has made me start to ponder what type of life Again, I don't think there's a wrong or right answer, but to give pause of like what type of life should one pursue and what really is the definition of a simple life versus a big life. I also would have to, I I would be lying if I didn't admit that I am nervous about pursuing this simple life. And by simple life, we mean like outside of the city with land growing our own vegetables, like having space for animals, having space for kids and work would not come first. Whereas right now in my life, work comes first, travel comes first, like reaching for more comes first. And not even in a consumeristic mindset, but more of a experiential mindset. Like what more can I experience in, in bigness? But then at the same time, when I think back to like the past couple of years during COVID, where I was forced to live a simpler, smaller life, 
I remember some of the best days from those small moments and not those big moments. I specifically, I remember one day during, I think it was like year two of COVID when we were doing small travel, but not plane travel where you could like take a trip um, Mm -hmm. in a car. And I went squid fishing and I like caught my own squid, cooked my own squid, made calamari like all in one day. And I was like, this is the definition of life. Like, I don't know anything sweeter (laughs) than like catching your own food and, and making calamari with it. And at the same time, I'm like, can can I do that day in and day out and be satisfied? Or will there be something in me that is still unsatisfied with that? And at the end of the day, I don't think I will know until I try it. But it also reminds me, this, this question reminds me a lot of a book I read at the beginning of this year and just devoured. It's, I don't want to say it's controversial, but it has its critics. It's called A Little Life by Hanya Yanagihara. And you might also know it by the cover of the book. It's kind of a man's face in pain. And it follows the life of four or five friends, four friends, yeah, four friends in New York City and their like extraneous friend group um, over the course of their lives. And some people call it like grief porn because the main character has a very difficult childhood and you learn about his childhood throughout his life. But Hmm. I find it interesting because these characters end up having very big lives. They end up gaining a celebrity status to them. Almost all of them. One becomes a very famous painter. One becomes a very famous actor. One becomes a very famous architect. And then the main character becomes a famous lawyer. And so they all gain bigness in their lives. But what the book focuses on more than anything is their relationships with each other. And at the end of the day, the relationships with each other are the most important aspects of their lives as opposed to what they have done with their life. And the fact that the book's called A Little Life makes me realize that at the end of the day, the quality of your life, the most important thing about your life are your relationships and to nurture those and to work on those is a much more interior, smaller life than this big life of whatever I might have in my mind that bigness would equate to happiness when happiness Mm -hmm. might be, you know, the smallest moments of life and not the biggest moments of life. Mm. That's my opening monologue of (laughs) question and wondering what to do next. (laughs) Well, it sounds like an existential crisis. (laughs) (laughs) I have experienced. (laughs) It's very refreshing to hear you say that because, you know, you're not, you're not um, making it small. You're like, this is a big thing. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. No, the, the whole time you were talking, I was like, I think this is an existential crisis. I, I think when you, I think when you, when you have these moments in your life, and I think it's often when you're at a crossroads, like mine came about in my late twenties. And, um, I, I think for a lot of people, it's when you're at a crossroads in your life and it is where like the path could diverge into one or two ways. And mm-hmm. you're kind of like, you can see both. You can see what's like up the road on both sides. And I think it's, you're like, duh, both look good, but both have perks and whatever. 
And as you were saying all this, this is is just going to sound like a therapy session. So apologies to our (laughs) listeners, because I feel like that's the road we're heading down. Oh my gosh, I'm here for this though. Although we do want to do an episode on over-therapization, but this is a good therapization. So go on. But I, as you were, as you were talking, there is part of me that's just like, well, why can't you have a little bit of both? Like, why does it have to be one or the other? Is there a world that both exist in different ways? Like, and I think this is, as you were talking, I recognize a lot of the own thoughts that I have had and felt the need to have an answer on and make a choice. And it's like, maybe we don't need to make a choice. Maybe it's not as concrete as that. It's just the ways in which we pursue different things Mm -hmm. simultaneously. We, there are times where we're pursuing little life, smaller things, experiences, communal activities, things like that. And then there are times when we're pursuing bigger things, whether it's trips or I don't know, celebrity, not celebrity, but you know, like professional achievements and pursuits. And do they have to be, do they have to be mutually exclusive? I guess is my question. Yeah, no, they, they definitely do not. I've started to really realize about my personality that I live in the past a lot and it's really hard for me to envision my future. And I think at this existential crisis or at this uh, divergence of roads is re- it's always been really hard for me to pick a road. Like I don't like when things diverge. I like to plod along without having to make choices. And I do wonder <laughs> to some degree, that's why I'm the age that I am not married without kids because I never wanted to make that choice. And there's also by not making a choice, you are making a choice. Uh, mm. And I think that happens to a lot of women, or I should just say people. I use women because I was just talking about having children, where if you sit in the ambulatory grayness, you're going to end up without the thing, most likely, whether Mm -hmm. that's kids or the job or the move, as opposed to actively working and pursuing and moving towards that direction. And I can sit in gray too well, or I can sit in that, <laughs> that, that, that lack of movement quite easily and make excuses and pursue other things that don't further maybe what I might want or don't further my life in a um, stronger, I wouldn't say stronger direction, but like in a specific direction. Uh, and that's something that I, I want to work on is being able to work towards a future as opposed to really looking back at my past so much, which believe me, therapy, that's what you do with therapy. You, what is so funny is I am the exact opposite. I am only ever looking forward and am constantly in the like forward mindset of what are we doing next? What's happening next? Whatever. And I, don't like looking back. Like I am like that happened. It's done. Let's move on. We're, you know, carry on everybody, (laughs) like get over it. And I don't know that that's always the best place to be in either. I think it, 
There are things that are fun. I think like I, I'm really happy entertaining all sorts of ideas about what the future might hold. Like, I mean, I was just sharing with you. I was like, oh, look at this house I found on this real estate site. Maybe when my children are like 16 or 17, this would be the perfect house for us to live at in London. And we can do this. Like, it's like knowing full well the odds, I mean, this house will not be available. And the odds of this happening are, you know, very low. But like, I find a lot of joy in those, like dreaming of the future. But I think it also means that I am often unsatisfied in the present because I am constantly in this state of what's next, what's next, what's next. And I think that's something I'm really trying to work on is I need to think less about the next three, five, 10 years and more about maybe like the next week. Like I need to be a little bit more of the moment and maybe you need to be, maybe that's the thing we, we both need to be of the, a little bit more of the moment, but you're coming forward and I'm coming back. But, um, I always, I, I often wonder because I feel like I am someone who is not ever 100% satisfied with anything in my life, like anything really. And I am always so curious, like, are there people out there who exist who are just satisfied with what they have, who are just content being and living? And if you exist, can you reach out to me and tell me (laughs) what it's like in that land? (laughs) Because that is just not me. Oh, I mean, we I we were talking about this on text and on Marco, I think this past week about dissatisfaction in life and not extreme dissatisfaction, but just mm. that nine, I, I, it's a nine or an artistic, like, ugh, I'm not, I'm not doing the thing I'm supposed to be doing. At least I should speak from myself. Like I feel that dissatisfaction a lot when I'm not pursuing some type of artistic expression and typically that dissatisfaction is turns turns negative energy inward like i become inwardly destructive and there's this phrase saying your daemon can turn into your demon the idea that the daemon the art that you should be producing the thing that you should be doing the way in which you should be contributing to the world if you're not doing that thing it will fester inside of you until the the interior just explodes and i definitely experience that when I'm not doing my art in any way, shape or form. And, and I have to remind myself because I think that we live in a world where we think, Oh, they're only doing art. If you're selling at a certain gallery or if you're, if your writing is shown on a certain site or, you know, X, Y, Z, but it's just actually doing the art. I think what's interesting too, as we get older and we pursue, when you want a family, when you have a family, it's not just, it's not just you and another adult, your partner. It's now you have kids in the mix. And so then you start thinking, well, what's best for them? What is the life? What's the best possible life I could give these tiny humans? And that's something that I really grapple with because sometimes what I want is the big life, but what I think that small children perhaps do better where they do better is in the small life. And so Mm -hmm. there's that 
tension that exists for me constantly and wondering, I am more of a city person. I, even though I live in Seattle and it is technically a city, it's not a city, it's not a metropolis, right? And so you have some perks of living in a city, but you also have aspects that can feel very suburbia. And I struggle with that. And I would much rather be in a metropolis. But then I also see the life that my children are having in this place where in some ways they, they kind of have a little bit of both. They experience aspects of a bigger city, but then they have a yard and they have neighborhood friends and things like that, that they might not get if we lived in a big metropolis. And it's that constant push and pull of like, what do I want versus what's good for them? And I think that's motherhood in general because you're constantly at odds of your own pursuits versus your children. <laughs> and I don't Why know I this again. <laughs> I, I'm not sure. <laughs> it's simply like for itself. Like there's no other way to put it. It's just, there's something no. innate in you that's like, Oh God, what am I doing? Yeah, no, I, and Obviously, like I, I love my children. It goes without saying. And I'm, there are there are days when the act of parenting and motherhood is deeply satisfying, and there are days when it is excruciating. And so I think, yeah, some and 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 I think the answer is that all the things can be beautiful and all the things can be rewarding. And I think it's just simply figuring out like for yourself. And for your family, because if you are denying yourself certain things, that's going to feed into your family life. If you are deeply unhappy and unsatisfied, you could be out in the country with cows and, you know, whatever people have in the country (laughs) and and be, and be deeply unhappy. And that's going to, that's going to, that's going to filter out into every other aspect of your life. I don't know if it's like Freud or somebody, but that quote came up for me when you were talking, the idea that like um, an unhappy child is like due to the unlived life of a parent or something like that. Like childhood uh, trauma yes. unlived life of a parent. And I remind myself that a lot. I like the amount of like parenting mm-hmm. philosophy that I have consumed before being a parent is terrifying, by the way. Like I, every time there's like a parenting article, I find like vaguely interesting. I'm like reading, taking notes, thinking about it. Like it's too much. I need to stop and just do the damn thing already. But clearly there's fear because I'm like in, as the Enneagram would say, I'm in my six, which is where, um, <laughs> nines go in unhealth god this is like really going to become a a side (laughs) podcast but my personality type when i'm not healthy goes to extreme investigation and over and like lives in that because we're afraid to make action Mm. or do see i am i'm action 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 think about the consequences after the fact i'm like let's keep going i i would be totally fine moving every three years. Cause I love change. I just, I want to mix it up. I want to do things differently. And so I'm like, Oh, we'll, th- we'll figure it out once we get there. Let's just get to the place we want to get to. And this is why choosing a partner is <laughs> important because my husband is like, no, that's <laughs> not what we're going to do. 
It, it can't work like that. We need yeah. to find a balance of constant movement. Well, in like three or four years time, I'm going to have some chickens. I'm going to have you over and we're going to crack some eggs. And I'm going to be like, look at this simple life. Okay. And also, how are we going to co- conquer the world simultaneously while I, <laughs> while I raise my chickens? <laughs> or you're going to be like, how do I get out of here? What have I gotten myself into? I actually hate chickens. Why did I think this was a good idea? (laughs) Can you imagine? It's like the most beautiful like breakfast and yolk. Like I have this like Martha Stewart, like picturesque image in my mind of like, and you're just like, oh my God, you did it. You did everything. I'm like, get me out of here. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to lie to you, Veronica. There is a huge part of me that thinks that might happen. (laughs) (laughs) That's the start of, that's the start of all. What's that movie with the two girls that go across country and then drive off the cliff? Oh, oh Thelma and Louise. Yeah, that's, that's my Thelma and Louise story. I'm like, I need to get out of here now. Yeah. What have <laughs> I done? Get in the car now. 